0: Good morrow, gentlemen and gentlewomen of the West Coast, the East Coast, the North Coast, the Shambra, Shambhala, Atlantis, other mystical civilizations of ancient times, past, present, and future. Welcome to Painting Pictures. This is Gabriel Roberts, a.k.a. Dr. Wacky E. Backy. That's right, I've given myself a middle name, or at least a middle initial, and it's E. So uh, we'll figure out what the middle name is, but the important part is that the name is now a wacky E-backy, which I think adds a little bit of E to the name and gives it that extra pop that maybe it was missing. Uh, I did get an email addressed to Dr. Roberts, so I think things are... Heading in the right direction, that's got to be a good sign. It said, uh, Dear Dr. Roberts, uh, we would like you to... Well, I could read you the email. Let's see here. Dear Dr. Roberts, we would love for you to share your nutrition and or cooking knowledge with our customers at the Olathe store on Thursday, April 30th. We are planning special activities on this day, as well as providing all customers with a dynamic discount on top of our everyday affordable prices. That's capitalized there, everyday affordable prices. We'll be heavily promoting the events of the day, so the store is sure to be bustling with customers and seminar and cooking demo attendance should be high! Exclamation mark! If April 30th doesn't work for you, we will also be having a similar event on Thursday, May 28th, and Thursday, June 25th. We would love for you to share your your nutrition knowledge with our customers on one or all of those days. Speaking at our stores is a great opportunity for you to help your community members improve their health and wellness. I haven't yet uh, responded. She provided a link for me to log into my dashboard and schedule my event on April 30th. Um, I think what I'm going to make is burritos. And I think (laughs) I'm going to demonstrate how to open cans of refried beans and add uh, copious amounts of butter and soy sauce and cumin and uh, chili powder. And then I'll open up a bag of GMO corn chips and pass around a bowl of hot beans um, with chips and have people grub down. So that's my tentative plan for the, um, let's see, this is the natural grocers in Olathe, Colorado. Um I'll update you further in case any of you listeners want to come out for the cooking demo. Uh, Gosh, so the ditches are back on here in Paonia. It's springtime, and the uh, irrigation ditches that come down from the mountains have been opened. And what once lay dry is now running with water. And it's very exciting because this now means I have numerous swimming holes at my disposal. And my days can now uh, involve at least one, sometimes two or three little dippy dips in some ice-cold water. And it is very cold right now, very cold, but it feels good on the bod. And it's a good way to get clean. And now I don't have to shower anymore. And it also makes your hair feel really good. And I like to get down. uh, The ditches are kind of shallow, so you kind of have to just lie down on your back, usually. And then grab some mud with your hands and uh, rub the mud under my, in my armpits, in my <laughs> in my Brad pits. And also in my Brad, <laughs> Brad private part pits, Brad pit private parts. Just a little bit of mud. Uh, it's a really effective means of cleaning the body sanctum and keeping it sanctum and keeping the rectum also sanctum. Because that's important. You don't want that rectum to uh, get any (laughs) ideas. You know what I mean? Um, I haven't yet grabbed or been cut by glass in a ditch. And I'm going to, if I had some wood, I would knock on it. I'll knock on some plastic. Uh, That is going to be something that, if it happens, will probably change my approach to swimming and bathing in ditches, and especially if it happens when I reach for a cluster of mud and don't push my fingers through it all the way, and it turns out there's a small piece of glass in it, and then I rub it under my armpits and I cut an artery or something. But so far, so good. Uh, hasn't That hasn't happened. I'm a be- I have a 100% safety record, uh, safety and productivity. Um, it's been... 300 and, or 274 straight days without cutting myself on glass uh, while bathing in the ditches. So let's keep the streak alive. And uh, if you see glass, pick it up and throw it away. Watering is something I've been, uh, been doing every morning. Now that it's getting hot and little plants are coming up, they are pleading for water. And if they don't get water, well... They'll grow sometimes. Some of them will survive. Like dandelions seem to require zero water. But um, little baby vegetable plants need some moisture. And so I've been providing that for them. And it makes me feel like God with my watering can, pacing up and down the rows of tiny baby plants, dispensing that water that they so crave. And I can hear them cry out with joy at my approach and I can hear them gratefully lapping at the water that I dispense from my can, the sustenance the 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 blood of my body <laughs> actually, it's just water um, but it's a pretty time consuming thing. I spend now a solid hour every morning watering baby plants in the community garden and then now watering my lawn. <laughs> Um, I'm like a suburban householder now. I have a lawn and it requires a lot of water. And I really like the lawn and uh I aim to keep it green and fresh. And that means turning on the sprinkler and giving it a good soaking like 3 or 4 times a week for an hour and there's three different sections of the lawn. Fortunately, I have this amazing sprinkler that's totally adjustable. You can adjust the breadth, the width of the spray. And then you can adjust how far forward and backwards it swings. It's ingenious and it's incredibly satisfying to place it in the correct position on the lawn and to adjust it just so so that it just gets to the edge of the grass and stops and then begins its sweep back over to the other side. And you watch the droplets fall on the edge of the grass and you watch that grass just getting all nice and wet. It's uh it's very it's very satisfying. And so between that and painting and playing piano and producing the painting pictures podcast, that's a lot of peas and peeing <laughs> and peeing. Okay, which I also have to do frequently. And I can't pee in the ditch. Um it's too cold. I'm looking forward to the day when I'm able to stay in the ditch long enough to pee and my penis will um not be completely scrunched up inside my body by the cold that it it will be able to to pee and release urine so that's what's keeping me uh, really quite busy and I don't know that I'd want it any other way um, there's a slight a slight feeling of conflict around turning on the water and watering the lawn it feels very decadent and um, and you know, using a lot of water. But then I look at the ditches that are running by 24-7, all of this water, and where does it all go if it's not being used? Now, if I could power my lawn sprinkler from the ditch, that'd make me feel better. But, I don't know, somehow just seeing all that water pour by, it's like, well, if I have the sprinkler on for a little while every morning, it's a big deal, right? <laughs> you know, like recycling. What What difference does one bottle make? Really? I mean, (laughs) why even bother, right? It all goes to China anyway. It's true, that's where your recycling goes, in case you didn't know that. It goes to China. Uh, I do have some notes here. This is why this is moving along the way it is. I hope that doesn't bother you. I hope it's not too structured (laughs) for you. I'm at 75% of data usage, and it resets tomorrow. <laughs> so I know what I'm going to be doing today, uh, browsing YouTube as much as I want. <laughs> I can watch any YouTube video I want, you know, all day long. I could just be watching videos, watching videos, and I don't even need to connect to Wi-Fi. Who cares if it takes an hour and a half to load? I'm using that 3G. I'm using that 3G, because I don't think it rolls over, Um It's very exciting. That's on a family plan, of course. So I don't know if the other members of my family are similarly excited about this 25% of data that can be used in one day. And if they all get juiced on it and we all just blow it (laughs) and end up going over. But last month we got to 75% of data usage with like half the month to go. And I've really cut back. I've really cut back. Um I'm using a little Wi-Fi, but I'm also going like full days without tapping in, and that feels it feels good. It feels good. I could do better, of course. There's some people that that means I'm not staying in contact with. But um yeah, that feels good. It's weird to have a life like I'm thinking about uh my sister uh, who lives in Montreal, very far away, and I basically connect to her only through the internets, and it takes time. Um, and then my brother, my dad, my mom, you know, phone calls. And those phone calls take time, and you can't be doing anything else. If you are doing something else while you're on the phone call, it's like you might as well just not be, make the phone call. It's, it's kind of uh, hugely distracting and not great for the other person. But they don't really know. Like, maybe you're just doing something. You're not telling them you're doing something. But, you know, half of your mind is occupied by painting some Italian flags or something. And then you're really not giving them your full attention. And so, I'm sorry, Dad. (laughs) Sorry, I did that the other day. Uh, So, take the time to, you know, make a phone call. But it does take time. And I feel like, holy smokes, Smokey. My life... My life and my days are so full that i don't I don't feel like I have time to talk on the phone for a half an hour with a dear member of my family. And how crazy is that? How crazy is that that I think my life is so full that I can't take a half an hour to share and connect with another person. But it brings up the whole question of connecting to other people and taking that time. And maintain those those connections with people that aren't directly in your life. And finding that balance. It's a tough balance to find because of course you I want those connections to stay alive and I think about those people that I love. Uh but I also want to be as present as I can in this world, in this life, and <laughs> I want to get lots of things done. So there's a little thing to put in your pipe and smoke. Take a nice pull see how it see how it sits. Uh, I've almost used all <laughs> of my cabbage. I bought a cabbage about three weeks ago and I've, um, I've almost finished it. It's almost gone. and boy, um, that's exciting because does anybody ever really use an entire cabbage unless you're making kimchi or sauerkraut? Mm, it's not easy. Uh, it's a lot of food. It looks like you know about the size of a head of cabbage and then you cut it and it becomes like five times that size because you chop it up and it just fluffs out and it's a it's a virtually impossible to use all that cabbage you put it in soup and your entire soup pot is full <clears throat> sure it cooks down a little bit but really they should make cabbages smaller how do they expect anybody to to, to eat these things well uh, i've been making little slaws little baby slaws with some cabbage uh some carrot uh, some lemon or lime juice and some salt, and that seems to work pretty well. Maybe some raisins, and then you can put that on your burritos. And maybe I'll maybe I'll put that on my burrito when I do my cooking class at the uh, natural food store in Olathe on April thirtieth. Um. So what's the deal? I'm sitting in my car right now because the uh, studio where I rent is adjacent to the kitchen where sometimes people come in and it's kind of distracting to know that someone might be overhearing you. And right now there's a gentleman walking a motorcycle up the hill and uh, he's probably wondering what is this kid doing? He's speaking into a micro- microwave in his car. Um, but he smiled as he we went by and he's like uh, just accepting it. He's like I'm I'm walking my motorcycle up the hill He's in his car speaking into a microwave. We can we can deal. We can deal with that. I appreciate that. Gentlemen, I appreciate you not stopping and gaping at me and getting flustered because you don't know what is happening. Just just roll with it. Just go with it. It's going to be okay. <laughs> just just go with it. So, gosh, what's the deal? Um here my car, I'm, I'm, I'm painting. Uh, I started a new painting yesterday that is complete madness. It's a stupid spot. It's the stupidest spot anyone could paint. I'm right on the train tracks. And all of the rocks that are used to build up the train tracks uh, absorb and radiate heat. Uh, and then every few hours, a massive coal train comes roaring by and, um, shutters, and I'm on a, it's on a slope. There's, I've eked out, like, a tiny little, uh, spot where I can stand on my two feet. Uh, my feet get very hot from the rocks and the sun. My painting cart is balanced, back wheels on a, uh, like, bit of a young tree that had fallen that I found and set up. Um, I'm eroding the slope every time I round the corner and make my way down under the railroad bridge. And herein lies the saving grace of the spot. There's a uh, creek rushing by. I don't know if it's a ditch or an actual creek. What's the difference, really? <laughs> um, but it does have water in it, cold water, and there's like a, a waterfall that sounds really nice, and so I can swim in it. And the other problem is I'm facing... I, I have had this idea of making a painting with this incredible mountain, Mount Lamborn, in the background, and some aspects of town in the foreground. And I've been biking around, looking and seeing glimpses of that view. Now those views are gradually being obstructed by the trees that are suddenly leafing out in full force. And so whereas once you had more unobstructed views in the mountains, now you have less. And also the sun is at a slightly southward tilt, the mountain is south of town, so to look at this view, I'm kind of looking into the sun. My canvas is in shadow. It's, so it's it's just a terrible situation. It's pretty much all wrong in terms of what you're supposed to do, landscape painting. But I really, I've just, damn it, I'm going to make one of these paintings with the mountain and the town in it. And it's also, it's going to be huge. Well, it's not huge, it's like 18 by 24. But that's, I'm working it with the palette knife. So it's going to be really detailed and it's probably going to take me a month to make. And uh, I may or may not, you know, collapse from heat exhaustion or burn my eyes in the process. So that is what I have started yesterday. Today I'll be back in it. Gentleman is now rolling his bike down the hill. Got it started. Just needed that rolling start. That's funny. This hill I've seen used. It's not the first time I've seen this little hill used to start a car. Uh, this is Main Street in between second or third and fourth, uh, or second and third, third and fourth. So if you ever are in Pania and your starter runs out on you, go to Main Street between third and fourth. You'll find a great hill. Park on that hill and uh, and you'll be fine. So wish me luck with the painting, folks. I'll hopefully have it posted, finished, and then, and then I'm, then then I'm going to, next painting I'm going to make, I'm going to be facing the other direction, and I'm going to be in shade, (laughs) because that's really what it comes down to, any view is fantastic when you paint it, it doesn't really matter the subject matter, and I've gotten hung up on this idea of the mountain picture, and I think it's going to be interesting, because it's kind of a cheesy thing to, like, focus on. But really, uh, it's all about finding a comfortable, quiet, cool, shaded spot with the sun at your back. So, anyway, it's springtime. It's not super hot yet. I will survive. I'm going to make this painting, and then, uh, and then I'm going to move on. I do want to speak briefly about painting this morning. I've been reading a book about Pablo Picasso. It's called Pablo Picasso. It's probably one of 50 books named called Pablo Picasso. Uh, what's the deal? What's the deal? This is Anatoly Podo- Uh That's who wrote the text. Made in 2004, published in London. Great picture, Picasso, in the beginning. A lot of text. Uh, Of course, I checked the book out for its um, images of Picasso's work, which I enjoy looking at. But there's also a lot of text and analysis. I'd like to read an excerpt of this analysis for you this morning. And this is Anatoly's analysis of the painting Friendship from 1908. Uh, Let's see. Perceiving the painting as a sculpture, Picasso approached the subject as a sculptor. If painting is always an illusion, something projected onto a screen, sculpture is always an objective reality, the image of the sculpture being present in the character of the object thing. Although the title Friendship is frankly conventional, we can quote-unquote read the gestures of support and touch, both gentle and warm. We can see the unity and agreement of rhythm and the shared somnambulism of the characters. Somnambulism is sleepwalking. These qualities inject a psychological aspect, almost even a note of genre, into the impersonal image on the canvas. They are insufficient for a theme, but enough for us to trace an associative course leading to Picasso's pictorial views during that proto-cubist period excuse me i just had to vomit a little bit what a load of bullshit uh sculpture is always an objective reality what what does that mean the image of the sculpture being present in the character of the object thing that's talking about sculpture. Uh which is how Picasso I I uh I would I would like Picasso dear Pablo Picasso I would love to get his take on Anatoly's paragraph. That's just one paragraph on one painting. This guy goes on and on and on and on and God um he must have felt so smart writing this book. And he probably got so much, so much love from the academic world for writing this book and for his insightful analysis and breaking down Picasso so well. I mean, Anatoly podoksik really knows his stuff, obviously. I mean, did you re- hear that part about Picasso's pictorial views during his proto-Cubist uh, period? I'd like to read... I'll bet there's a bio about Anatoly in here. I'd really like to see. There's a nice timeline in the back. That's pretty cool. Uh, maybe there's like a conclusive essay. There isn't. That's amazing. I would expect to find Anatoly's curriculum vitae in here. Where he would brag on and on about his education. Um, But I guess I'll have to look that up online. The point, Junior junior charlie the pint junior is this is complete bullshit um this is taking something and analyzing it way 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 too far sure you can have your opinion i think anybody's opinion and reaction emotional reaction to a piece of artwork is entirely valid and worth sharing but to claim that uh these qualities inject a psychological aspect, almost even a note of genre, into the impersonal image on the canvas. Who's to say this is an, an impersonal image? Um. And and then they are insufficient for a theme. According to whom? What theme are we going? For? What theme are we striving for here? And why is this insufficient? <laughs> but it is enough to trace an associative course leading to Picasso's pictorial views. Who who the fuck knows what Picasso's pictorial views were? And how can you know that this is... And that proto-cubist period. Fuck that. I mean... This is the kind of stuff that makes people think they can't understand art. And this is the kind of thing that ruins everyday art and modern art, and art being made now, because it places a select few artists in this group of the masters, which Picasso obviously belongs there. There's no denying that. He's probably the greatest artist of all time. But it it makes them... Uh, it, it makes the everyday person feel incapable of understanding why Picasso is so great. They just accept it because there's been all these books written about why he's so great. And it makes them then, in turn, feel incapable of recognizing great art without being told what is great art. And it makes them really uncomfortable around any art that they don't understand, and it makes them grasp for a signal from some authority like Anatoly to tell them if it's good or not. And if it is, well, gee, then yes, I will still plunk down millions of dollars for it if they believe, uh, or hundreds of dollars, whatever it is, if they believe it's great art. And then the only level that remains for the everyday person in terms of appreciating art is sentimental things that they can sentimentally attach to. Like, oh, look, it's a picture of my house. See, look, oh, it's my house. (laughs) Oh, see how I got my house in there? And that's, yeah, that's the tree behind it. I know that place. Yeah, that's the only way that people connect with art now. That's the only valid plane of connection that they have left because they don't feel like, any other interpretation or any feelings they have around other pieces of art are valid because they just don't want to go there because they are not they don't consider themselves qualified to go there. And so they leave it off. Anything that is different, anything they don't quite understand, well, they're going to leave that to the experts. And if the experts say it's great art, well, then they're going to look at it and be like, um, yeah, I, it is. It is great art. yeah I see that. I see that. And everything else they're going to ignore unless it has a street that they recognize in it. So I'm going to make a painting with Mount Lamborn in it. And damn it, that's going to make people connect to it. And if that's how they need to connect to it, then that's fine. That's giving. That's opening a little door for people to come on in. See, look, it's Mount Lamborn. <laughs> Step right in, have a look, enjoy yourself. And you'll maybe um, look at the other things in the picture too. And uh, appreciate them. But if not, if you really just appreciate it for the mountain, that's great too. Anyhow, I just think there's way too much um, uh, written and analyzed about art. And there's too many goddamn critics and academics um, jostling for position in an entirely bogus world where they validate each other and it's it's all air it's just held up by air and and hot air and bullshit and yet it continues to churn along and produce degrees and publications and reviews and millions of dollars spent on art um kind of a cool thing i guess is that the the Artists that are revered as great masters from the past are actually great masters, and um, it's wonderful that their work is highly valued and that people do have that feeling of, like, I should appreciate this because it's Picasso. Because, yeah, uh, he should. He's incredible. Wow, I almost just saw a car accident in Pionia. That would be a first. But they avoided it. Two Japanese cars using their high-technology brake systems to not get in a car accident ah the wonders of automobile technology I have airbags I'm not mad at anybody okay I'm not mad at y'all this has been my solo episode gosh just putting it out there um I hope you enjoyed it again my name is Gabriel Roberts this podcast is called painting pictures you can visit Gabe com to um go to a website if you want to go to a website. You can send me an email at gaberobertsart at gmail.com. That's g-a-b-e-r-o-b-e-r-t-s at gmail.com. And I apologize I'm behind on I'm behind on my emails, but I'm gonna get back to you this week. And I appreciate uh, feedback and questions and suggestions and pictures of birds. Because we could all just look at birds a little more, don't you think? Together and explore space. Um, I'm going to be doing something like this in a f- f- couple of weeks. Live here in Peonia, on the 25th of April. I'll be opening for Kai Burt at the Blue Sage Center for Performing Arts. Or, it's not the Center for Performing Arts. Let's just call it the Blue Sage, shall we? So if you're in Paonia, uh, please come on out. See the show. You can get the tickets at uh, bluesage.org. I think that's their website. Jeez. Uh, you can get tickets ahead of time. They're 10 bucks or they're 15 bucks at the door. Uh, shows, doors at 7. I'll be opening at 7.30. And then Kai Burt will come on and play music at 8 p.m. Uh, thanks for thanks for listening. Thanks for coming on this little ride. I hope spring is sweet where you are. I hope that you're letting your feet out of their shoes and socks, allowing them to frolic on the grass and get a little bit dirty, get a little bit wet. Um, I do admit to having a little bit of toenail fungus this winter, okay? Yes. <laughs> yes, I did. I did have toenail fungus. Uh, my name is Gabriel, and I had toenail fungus. But it's gone now, and I'm convinced, absolutely convinced that it is directly related to my little titsies being out in the sun, not cooped up and sweating inside wool socks, inside boots. Being out in the sun, rumming, rummaging through grass and dirt. I don't know how the Eskimos avoid toenail fungus. Maybe they don't. Maybe Eskimo feet are completely... Um, covered in toenail fungus, or their fingernails, (laughs) their toenails, I mean, or maybe, (laughs) maybe their fingernails too, maybe they have toenail fungus in their fingernails, that'd be a serious situation, go to a doctor, and you're like, I think I have some fungus in my nails, it's like, yeah, it's actually toenail fungus, Uh, so you're in deep trouble, mister, you know, it'd be one thing if it was fingernail fungus in your fingernails, but the fact that it's toenail fungus in your fingernails means, You've got some bigger issues on hand here, Pops. And so we're going to need to chop off your fingers and replace them with your toes. And that way you'll just have toenail fungus on your toes, on your hands, and you won't be able to walk. So, you know, six in one, half a dozen in the other. Take your pick. Take your pick. Uh, That's all. That's all for this podcast. Uh, Tune in next week for an interview with some uh, member of the Peonia community. Oh, he almost hit the bird, but he slowed down. Oh, there's a little morning dove crossing the street, and a guy cruising by in his Plymouth slowed down so that he wouldn't run into him. I bet the bird would have gotten away. Those birds are fairly good at avoiding cars, but uh, still, the tenderness in that gesture, you know? See, folks, humanity, we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. When people are slowing down in their in their Plymouth... Um, what are those silly little hatchback cars? Whatever it is. Chrysler. Chrysler PT Cruiser. Is that what it is? When they're slowing down in their PT Cruisers to let little morning doves cross the street, that's a sign that everything is everything's groovy in this world. Including you, dear listener. You are super groovy. And now uh, I'm going to sign off and... Talk to you next week. Take it easy. Um, Look out for bullshit written about art. Don't believe any of it. Trust your instincts. Go swim in some ditches. And I'll see you next week.